Hello, I'm Howard and this is the 9320 Friday Show podcast where we'll be looking back at the week that was a stroll against Swansea City, a bit of the Champions League and ahead to, to West Ham at the weekend and the future for City beyond this season as well and anything else that takes our fancy. I'm delighted to be joined by two podcast heavyweights. Firstly, the one and only Sam Lee. Good morning, oh. Sam. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for that glowing introduction. Well, I was being, I was underplaying it, if anything. So. Oh, well. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep coming back then. Yeah, so, you know, no pressure on this podcast for you, but expecting big things. Fireworks, mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the main man himself, Mr. 9320, Asan Naeem. Good morning, Asan. Morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Yourself? Uh, yeah, pretty good, actually. Although, I don't like being called the main man. I find it. <laughs> Really so, uncomfortable. So I'm just putting pressure on both of you. So. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Expecting the greatest show ever. <laughs> After very little football in the past week, to be honest, of note. So uh, you're back in uh, Paris now? I am. I am. Good to be back Thank or you. bad to oh, be definitely. back? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I, uh, I enjoyed LA. It's cool, but it's a really weird place. Like, after sort of nine or ten days, I was definitely ready to to come back to some sort of normality. Um, but I think also that's just a little bit because what I was doing out there, I've kind of never been out there and done that before. So just yeah. the whole experience was pretty surreal from from top to bottom. Yeah, cool. Will you be back out there, do you think? Or? Um, I think so. I think so. I think I've got to go back like mid, mid-July, something like that. So I'm hoping that I can basically try and coordinate it with some of the US preseason tour. Oh, but that would be good. Indeed. Where where was it? I know Chicago's one. Isn't it? It's New Jersey as well. There's definitely a oh, New no. York one, and there's definitely a Miami one, because Sam wants to go to Miami, don't you, Sam? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be up for it if somebody was offering, yeah. Yeah, there's a Miami. <laughs> yeah, it's New Jersey, Chicago, and Miami, yeah. I'll tell you what, Sam, if, uh, oh. if, if gold don't send you yet, we'll see if we can find a way for, for 9320 to send you out there and you could be our roving reporter. Oh, hang on. <laughs> I want to go to Miami. Alex's like, well. hold on, hold on. I want to go to Miami. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it after the pod, lad. <laughs> I'll say it's unlikely, yeah. I mean, it's going to be reserve squads, but I think that's hardly important, is it? I think it'd be a great a great uh, holiday to go on, wouldn't it? Great oh, experience. definitely. Uh, right, well, let's move on. I've got an opening question from Twitter. Uh, Chris Booth asks, the results against Liverpool this year highlighted a way of beating us. We can therefore assume teams will try and adopt similar approaches. I mean, I think we saw that last season that teams adapted to how City played. Uh, how do we counteract this? Is it a personnel change or a tactical change or both? I'll start with you, Sam. Well, the thing is, I think that's a, a pretty big assumption to make that teams will adapt their approach or at least it's a big assumption to make that teams will do it successfully mm. you know I've, I've made this yeah. point before Liverpool are successful at that you know it's a clash of styles and Liverpool are really good at it because they've been working with Klopp for three years yeah, yeah it's three years isn't it um, yeah. so they do it every day they know exactly what they're supposed to do Klopp's bought players who are good at it but then alright so West Ham have now got a week they've had a week to prepare for City are they are they going to work on a pressing game all week? They might be able to get some part of a pressing game going. You know, when he's here, you you rush to there, and then when he goes over there, then you follow him into this space kind of thing. But you're not going to get to Liverpool's level in a week, and you're not going to have the players to do it. And to be honest, a lot of those managers won't really do it anyway. They'll probably just <laughs> stick to what they normally do. Um, you know, it's obviously City's approach is exaggerated. It's it's not something we've seen in the Premier League before. But you know, there's the 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 basic way of facing the top teams when you're one of the lower teams has always been, you know, getting their faces and you know, give them something to worry about. But teams haven't always done that because they know they're going to get damaged, basically. And they'd probably and there's a lot of managers who'd rather stick to their comfort zone, which is one of the reasons I admire Guardiola so much. Fair enough, he has got a comfort zone, and it's his way of playing. But at least that way of playing is really enjoyable to watch. So I don't. You know, yeah, maybe teams will press City more, but they they might create themselves more problems because it's a it's an incredibly difficult system to play. 
Um, and the only reason, like I say, that, that Liverpool are especially good at it is because they do it every day and they have been doing it for years. So I don't think it's easy to replicate. Yeah, and I'm uh, sure Guardiola is good enough and the players are good enough to pick their way around any half-assed team who, who, who tries it. Yeah, it's a very true point. I don't, do many managers adapt? They all have their style and they pretty much stick to it. And small adaption, but we'll come to that. That's relevant to the very last question. That, you know, I've got a, another question to ask at the end of this podcast about adapting and how that, uh, you know, and how if, if Pep should do that perhaps in the future. But we'll we'll come around to that later. Asan, uh, your views on that? Um, I think uh, Sam. I think firstly, like you slightly I, th- I feel as though you've slightly misunderstood the question or at least I think there's a more interesting way of approaching that question which is that most teams can't play like Liverpool because they've not got players as good as Liverpool um, but at the same time in Europe in the Champions League you will come across sides who are technically good who can press high up the pitch and who can do things to to hurt City um, and I think the truth is that there isn't really a lot that Pep can do about it without changing fundamentally the way that he approaches certain ties. And he's not going to do that. So, you know, the reality is that no matter who we play, our, you know, back line is going to be pushed up to the halfway line, which means that if a team presses us high and they've got fast players and they've got technically good players, they're going to be able to get in behind. I think that, how we improve against teams like Liverpool or specifically against Liverpool. Um, I think the truth is the only way that we can improve is for our players to individually and collectively just play better um, because, you know, will there will be space to run in behind City and with the right kind of passing, you will be able to pass into spaces that players can run into. And it's down to to our defensive players to firstly not make individual errors because if you look at the Liverpool games for all of the you know we've taken what feels like some beatings off Liverpool but then if you actually go through and analyze every single goal that we've conceded how many of those goals are just a player or two players making mistakes that eight or nine times out of ten they're not going to mistake they're not going to make I think you'll find a lot of those goals are like that and so I think for that reason, I think the, the it's kind of twofold. The answer, firstly, I think that there isn't really there is Pep's not going to do anything to change the way that we play. For example, against Liverpool, he might you know he might try and play with three at the back, for example, and 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 with wing backs. But the problems that Liverpool cause us they come from the fact that we play with a high line. And the fact that they like to press high. And if they win the ball back in certain areas, they've just got players who can hurt us. That's just the way it's going to be. So, yeah, the second part is that I just think that individually the players have to improve. And I think that in terms of that improvement, it's not actually even about becoming better footballers. It's about mentally becoming stronger. Um, I know that Sam put a tweet up uh, in the last week or so about the Real Madrid squad and, you know, the fact that maybe it was something that Marcelo said after the the, the game the other Tony, night. It was Tony Cruz before the game. There you go. Tony Cruz before the game. And he, he talked about the fact that they just know, even if things are going wrong on the pitch, they don't really have any anxiety. They feel very relaxed because they know that they'll get their chance and they know that they're good enough to score goals. Um, and that comes from experience. And if you look at our side, I think that a lot of the... The issues that we've had against Liverpool, it comes from inexperience, it comes from pressure, it comes from, you know, not knowing how to handle 10, 15 minutes in a game where you're up against something that you just don't face. Because that's the reality. The overwhelmingly vast majority of minutes that these players play on a pitch for City, they're under no pressure. Yeah, they've got the ball, the the opposition are sat deep in their own half. There's just... There's very little for the back five, back six to worry about. But in those games that are important, in those games against top sides where you are going to come under pressure, you have to be mentally stronger in those moments. Even if you concede a goal, 
You have to know how to concede a goal without that leading to conceding two and three or without that leading to some type of collective mental breakdown or, you know, technical breakdown. Uh, because that's what tends to happen. I've, I've seen it happen with, with, with our side a lot where, you know, players who are reliable technically, who are reliable for making decisions, suddenly become unreliable because we've conceded a goal. And that's, yeah, that's what Cruz talked about, what Real Madrid have, and it's what City need to get to. But they need to mature as a side to get to that. And I don't think that that's something that, you know, I'm not saying that we won't win the Champions League next season or the season after, but I think in terms of that maturity, it's going to take three, four years of these players playing together. And, you know, some of them, it's only been a year. Some of them, it's only been a couple of years, but they're all still the exception of De Bruyne, most of the players I'm talking about, they're under 25. So, you know, there's time for for them to develop and, and get uh, get that maturity to not panic under pressure. Is it the club that's got that feeling? Is it the players that you're saying are relaxed or is it just seeped into the club psyche? Because if City keep, if we keep, keep buying players and changing players and Silva and Fernandinho will have to retire... Mm-hmm. How do we get that mentality that Real Madrid do? It's like a vicious circle in a way that we have to win it to get that mentality. But if until we win it, we lack that mentality. So how do we break that seal, so to speak? I it's think just I think keep to, the team together. Yeah, keep the team together. Get a bit lucky in terms of you know if you look at the draw. I personally think of all of the teams left in the tournament, Liverpool <laughs> were kind of the one that you absolutely didn't want for many, many reasons. And it became apparent when we played them. I think that if we'd have got anybody else left in the draw, those would have been different games. Um, yeah, they've been different, but, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I mean. I think you need. I think you need a little bit of luck. I think that, you know, winning this Premier League will be, will be good for them. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it'll just take time. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think there's a magic wand and I don't think that the solution lies in the transfer market. Certainly, you can't win the, you can't buy to win the Champions League. Like I'm, I've, I've come to that conclusion. You, you, at a certain point, you have to, you have to look at what you've got and look at the issues that you've faced in the tournament and figure them out on the training pitch. Yeah, well, that final question was, it was Ahmad Abdul Wahab asked on Twitter, how can Pep make City a Champions League winning side? And asked if the summer business would be linked to this, but you've pretty much answered that. He'll he'll keep buying, you know, as we expect him to. But he's not thinking about the Champions League as such, he's just thinking about a great side. Yeah. And what happens, happens. Uh, I mean, we've seen, I don't, don't know if you watched the, the buying game the other night, you know, what Sam said, it's, it was just classic Real Madrid. I know, was it PSG? Was it this season that they put PSG out? So yeah. They were, they were terrible in the, was it the first leg? Not terrible, yeah. but yeah, PSG were generally dominant for the whole game. And then they just won it at the end. <laughs> they just did what they did uh, because they just know they can do that. And there's a bit of deflection. You know, it just happens. They just know. It just, however poor they play, they know they can score. They know how to get through. They know how to get results, so yeah. What you say? Yeah, they've won it so many times. It's just it's second nature to them. This is yeah. a team. This is a team. You know, way off the pace in the domestic league, but they can win Champions Leagues. So it shows it's a different beast. You know, completely. Totally. And I think. All- sorry, patience is yeah. Have to be patient. Yeah, I think also like you know Guardiola's talked a lot since he's come to City about efficiency in both boxes, and I think that that's probably, you know, Pep said it himself that you don't get in the Champions League, you don't get the chances that you get in the Premier League no. against seventy or eighty percent of the opposition that you face, and the truth is that as scintillating as we've been going forward, we have a really young forward line the exception of Aguero, we have a really young forward line and they currently are raw for want of a better word. They need to mature and it will take some time. Um, And until that time, I don't know how, 
you know, I don't know how efficient we are in it. Certainly when it comes to scoring goals, if you look at the number of chances that we create, and I'm sure that our conversion rate this season is good, but in the Champions League, if you, you know, you just, when you get a chance against, even against Liverpool, you know, you have to take every single chance. And if you don't, then you'll struggle. And I think that's the big difference. If you look at Liverpool, and the games that we've played against them, they've they've been unbelievably efficient. They've created big chances and nailed them. And their big players have scored absolute fucking worldies, for want of a better word, um, when it's been required against City. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it feels a bit simplistic, but that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I've got a bonus question. Let's look forward instead. Let's look way forward. Uh, Pep only has one year left on the contract, but obviously we we think he'll extend. Uh, But looking ahead, I thought it's a good show to do this on because obviously the the title is won and the the season's almost over. Uh, Our management must already be planning post-Pep. How do you think they will play it? Going Turner with someone like Arteta, if he's still here not managing Arsenal, or external with someone with the same principles. So Sam, I'll start with you. I'm, I'm not sure how much you can actually plan at this stage because so much can, so much happens, so much can change. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of loose plan as in, yeah, this would be nice if, if we could get Arteta in. And I'm sure that's one thing they're considering. But I mean, he might go to Arsenal. You know, I yeah. think he, he's one of the names that they want. Um, and then you might have a manager who comes from, from nowhere um, in the next two or three years, you know, like a, a Nagelsmann kind of figure who's 28 years old, 30 years old, and you think, and he comes out of nowhere and you just think, oh God, we'll have him, you know, and just if Guardiola goes in two years, three years, I, I, I'm not sure how much planning you can do. I'm sure they've got an idea. I'm sure at some stage they probably thought Vieira would be it. Maybe they still do, but I don't really see that. It, it It's it's so volatile. It's, it's, it's almost harder to judge where managers are going to be a couple of years down the line than players, really. You can kind of, you can plot out a, where a player could be or what you expect and or we could look at signing this player in a couple of years maybe but with managers I just think I just think it's completely different I mean they may have a loose idea but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine anything they think now is actually going to happen Yeah, uh, It was Sam Fisher that asked this on Twitter I think uh, Hey Sam as a fan supporter would it make you nervous to go internal I mean are we are we just is it ingrained in us to get big name managers now or would you be comfortable with Pep you know, guiding someone through within our structure you know like Barcelona do sometimes you know or would that mm. make yeah you know, would you prefer a big name like Sarri or someone like that well um, I, I don't think the size of the name matters but I'm definitely not um, in favour of an internal appointment of somebody who's got no experience yeah. of a big job I think the Guardiola is the exception rather than the rule um, when it comes to to sort of players becoming coaches and coming through internally and you know doing well from the off. Yeah. I just think I think it's too much pressure and it's it's unrealistic. Um, so no, I mean I, I, it's funny because I'd had a conversation with um, uh, with Mark Booth. Uh, who works at New York City FC on DMs this week about Vieira and Arteta and the Arsenal job. And and I said in a message to him that, you know, in a way, neither of those guys can turn the Arsenal job down if Arsenal come knocking because neither of them are remotely qualified to manage Arsenal. And yet, you know, they're being heavily linked with the job, which for me is just a bit weird. I I don't think that Vieira's been amazing at, at New York City. Um, Arteta's a coach. I mean, I've got absolutely no idea what kind of manager he he can or will be. So, so yeah, I uh, that internal thing, I I, I don't know. Um, I slightly disagree with Sam in that I think that City have to be incredibly aware of the fact that Guardiola is very much his own man and is incredibly unpredictable and. As much as we're all sat here saying, well, I'm sure he's going to sign a contract extension, Pep will have no issues with waking up on the 1st of June and going, you know what? Actually, um, I I don't know if I want to do more than another year here. I I won't be signing anything. And then 
you get into the realms of come September, October, suddenly you're going, hmm, at the end of the season, we might not have a manager. Yeah. So I think that City do have to, maybe not like, I think they have to have a loose idea of people. They've got to work 12 months in advance, I think. I think that each season, at the end of the season, they've got to look at it and go, right, at the end of next season, if Pep decides to go, who are we? Who are we looking at? Um, and in this instance, if I was looking at 12 months from now, I mean, Sarri's the obvious name. Nagelsmann, I think somebody mentioned, is is another name. Um, I don't know. I just you'd ha- For me, you'd have to have a coach who's got some experience in a top division and has shown that they can get some results and play a certain style of football um, in a top division, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Okay, well, we'll move on and look well. We'll move on. We'll look back. Uh, not a lot to say about the Swansea game because it was uh, just so nice and easy, basically. Uh, but the players were up for it. That was a big question before the match. Uh, I wondered were they on the beach? Were they? You know, wasn't much to play for. They were up for it. Sam, would you put this entirely down to mentality installed by Pep that there is no let off for these players? In the sense that even a bad performance now, at the end of this season, could have an effect on them next season. Yeah, I don't know about entirely, but it's definitely had a big role. I mean, another part of it might have been just you know, it's like it was like a celebration, wasn't it? It was the homecoming. It was let's go and do it in front of our fans. So that you know that will be part of it as well. And obviously, you know, you would imagine that the the players, to some extent. Maybe not all of them, but probably all of them would would want to play well. But yeah, I think the biggest factor is definitely um, the way the Guardiola runs a tight ship, and yeah, he's already started talking about next season and how you know next season effectively started last Sunday and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that is def- definitely the biggest factor, and you know, I think the players will know by now that it doesn't it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. You can't you can't just toss a game off basically and expect Guardiola to let you get away with it. And they all know that. You know, there's going to be signings made in the summer, and you know, like Sane was on the bench and Walker was on the bench. You know, not uh, there was no malice in it. Obviously, it was just rotation. But you know, players like that know that there's other players to come in and take their places, and there's going to be purchases over the summer as well. So yeah, Guardiola's just keeping everyone on their toes, basically. Uh, Asan, you know, still got records to be broken. Are you bothered by them? Uh, if you are, is the one that stands out that you really want us to break? Hundred points. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the only one that I kind of look at and go, that'd be really nice if we could do that. Um, I don't really know what some of the other ones are, so I, I'm obviously uh, not. Some of them are about. so some of them are so tedious. It's like away wins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I presume the goal scoring record itself must be under threat. Yeah, um, mm. 103 is the record, I think, and then what they got now, 98. Well, 98, so, uh, yeah, but there's there's little ones. Uh, but I agree, it's got 100 points would be, basically, three wins and a draw will do it. That'll get us to 100. Uh, but that would be something special. Yeah. Uh, ASAP, with that in mind, we get to 100 points. And I have to say, I find the debate over greatest Premier League sides tedious, because it, especially because it becomes tribal. But can we judge greatness of a side over one season or do we now have to wait? I know I've touched on this before, so you can be brief if you want to. Can we judge the greatness of a side over one season or do we have to wait for three seasons to see if they if they keep winning the league? And if we well, do it over multiple seasons, do we not have the same rules for players? Because Salah is now the greatest player ever, of course. <laughs> but, but it is over. No, I love Salah. I mean, he looks a nice guy as well. And his season's been astonishing. But... It's one season. So how do we judge greatness? Well, I think that in terms of this city side, I don't think that anybody can really dispute its greatness. It's been, you know, when you play consistently that well over the course of a season, because again, it's not just about winning the league. It's not just about the number of points that have been accumulated or the goals that have been scored. It's the manner in which we've done it. We've dismantled more or less everybody that we've played. Um, so I don't think that anybody can dispute the greatness of this side. It's that simple. I think in terms of, you know, being the greatest Premier League side ever or one of the greatest Premier League sides ever, I think everybody already acknowledges with what we've done this season that we're one of the greatest. For us to be the greatest, 
I think that we probably do need to retain the title next season. Um, but I think, for example, if we were to retain the title next season in similar fashion in terms of the style of football that we play to this season, I think that it would be very difficult for people to dispute um, the primacy of, of Guardiola City. Do you seriously think we could win the league by this margin again? Or do you think it's a one-off? Sam, can you have a go at answering that first and then I'll answer it? <laughs> um well, I've been speaking to people around Guardiola about next season and what they need to do. And it's, I think the message that Guardiola's probably going to tell the players is, you know, forget about having a season like this again and breaking records and loads of points, etc. And, you know, just just focus on, you know, the, the bad moments when they come, as Asan was saying earlier on, you know, when you get bad moments in a game or whatever. And the response is, obviously, they've done that this season, but, you know, in some of the big games, less so. Um, but at the same time, I still kind of think, well, well, why not? I mean, yeah, you might you might get a run of fixtures which you know prohibit uh, an eighteen match winning run again, or you may get uh, you know a stroke of luck go against you. Like Arsenal's unbeaten season, if Van Nistelrooy had to put that penalty away, then it wouldn't have happened. So there may be the odd thing that stops a long winning run like that, but I don't, I don't see City's level slipping. I don't see anyone else getting much closer to them, and even if they do. It's that's only one game, and if you you know if for argument's sake Liverpool make a big leap, then you know Liverpool beat City this year anyway, and City have still dom- dominated it, absolutely. So I kind of I kind of don't see any reason why not, or at least I wouldn't be surprised if if City did do this again because I'm not sure so many teams in the Premier League are going to improve to such an extent that they can stop City going on these runs or just winning the vast majority of their games. And it kind of goes back to my first answer about the fact that teams, some teams may adapt and press City or whatever, but I don't think they're going to be as effective as, you know, Liverpool or teams yeah. you can face in the Champions League. So I, I could see City doing it again. Hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not convinced. I don't, yeah, I just think that run, however good you are, that the run of wins, I can't remember what it was now. but 18, I think. Yeah, and if you're taking last season, at one point I do know, because we're writing up this season review thing, uh, that we were on 28 in all comp- competitions on the row. Uh, and uh, winning 28 games on the row is just ridiculous enough. Uh, but we will see, I guess, obviously the psychological issue about retaining the trophy and keeping the intensity up. Uh, but personally, I do not see... Even you know, it's not a case of standards slipping as such. I just can't see the accumulation of points, a hundred, yeah, hundred, close to hundred points again. But we, you know, let's hope I'm wrong. Uh, Can so, I answer it? Oh yeah, of course. I, it's, uh, it's your fault for handing over. I forgot I know, that you I know. answered it. I, I wanted to hear what Sam had to say first. <laughs> um, I, I, I think we'll do it. I, I just, I don't think that. I think that the level that City have reached this season is a little bit too high for the rest of the league. And the issue that they've got is that it's not going to get worse. City aren't going to get worse. This team aren't going to go backwards. They're going to go forwards. They're going to, you know, this season for them will feel like an imperfect season because of what happened against Liverpool. And I believe that that group of players will come back with a stronger mentality to be better next season. And if you look at... 80% 80% of the Premier League, 80% of the Premier League simply can't handle us. It's that, you know, it, who, if you look from eighth place downwards or seventh place downwards, who do you see who you think home or away potentially has got it in them to stop City from scoring and also to score against City themselves? Um, I just, I, I don't see it. And for that reason, I think that our points total next season will be might not break a record because we might set a record this season that we fall short of, but it will be at this level. I think we'll get 90 points minimum again next season. And if we get 90 points again next season, we're winning that title. Cause I don't see you yeah. maybe, maybe Liverpool, if, if this, you know, if Van Dyke is the difference. Yeah. Maybe Liverpool next season will be able to operate at that level. Hmm. 
I don't know about Chelsea and Arsenal because they'll have new managers. Spurs won't accumulate that level of points. United, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that with United, you should never a say never. consistency issue at United. Look at, look at the... It was the same kind of thing with Liverpool after Liverpool beat City and then lost at Swansea. Similar thing. After United t- did that turnaround against City, all the talk was about using that as a springboard for next season. And then Mourinho says after they lose to West Brom that he could see it coming because they had taken their eye off the ball. Uh, mm. There's a big change that you need there. And, you know, Mourinho is supposed to be the man that, you know, make sure that doesn't happen. And he's two years into the job. So I think that's a big gap for United to make up. You don't think that, for example... That's why they were a good cup team, because you could see that against Spurs they were going to win that game. And they'll probably yeah, but, Chelsea as well. but don't you think that translating that mentality in quality players is not as hard as... For example, in a way, I look at the, the, the job that Mourinho's got and the job that Klopp's got. And I go, in a way, Mourinho's got an easier job because he's got better players. He's got more winners. He's got more players who have won big things and they do seem to have this weird mentality issue where they can play really well and look like a top dominant side but they almost seem to down tools when they play against certain kinds of sides and I I don't know so you don't think that they can you don't think that's a gap that can be bridged just with maybe one or two out and one or two in this summer Sam I don't think so. I don't, and not 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 least because the one or two out and one or two in kind of thing is seemingly what United have been doing for a couple of years. Mm. And, you know, they've spent a lot of money. Again, another point of race on Twitter. spent a lot of money and most of the signings haven't really worked out. And there's big question marks about them. And Mourinho's either got rid of them already, or has fallen out with them or whatever. So there's no guarantees that if they would spend 150 million this year, that would necessarily be any better. So that's, that's part of it. But I just think, like, against West Brom, I just don't think they, there's that kind of sophistication. Of, I, I honestly think United's position um, in second is just kind of a reflection of having better players than the rest of the league. And that's enough to get you so far. But as we've seen, you know, when, when you've got a team like City who have got more money, better players, and they've got the plan as well, crucially, to get past basically any team, that's the difference. But when you've just got good players and you're relying on individual brilliance in games, then I don't think that's going to be good enough with City around to win the title. And I think that's, I think that's the stage United are at. I just, yeah, I'm not okay. sure there's that mentality to win every week. And I'm not sure there, there's that kind of, I don't know, quality of, of coaching or whatever. You look at the West Brom game and they just look absolutely abject. And it's, you know, it's not the first time this season. I, yeah. I just think it's kind of just, it's not go out there and get on with it kind of thing, but it just doesn't look like there's any kind of plan. Well, the consistency mm. you touched on, I think, is a problem for all the other sides because that's the key to winning the title. I mean, we did it with a huge run this season. Got the lead, never looked back. Chelsea made a run last season. You don't have to have a huge winning run to win the title. Leicester didn't. Leicester were just basically consistent. They'd win four, lose one, win four, lose one or so on. Just kept going and going. But I think winning runs are vital and... The consistency of other teams is a huge problem to overcome. Uh, but I just want to look, a small segue to Liverpool there, uh, I want to look also sideways at the week that's just gone. Obviously the Champions League that we are no longer in. So we had to watch Liverpool against Roma. Uh, an amazing match really. But uh, a bitterness alert for me. Well, that's that's the question I'm going to ask. Am I bitter? Uh, I've seen the Scouse mythology coming out after that game and fair enough you're going to be happy after a game like that when you see your side go 5-0 up in the Champions League semi-final but I've seen articles comparing Klopp to Shankly saying he's the tactical equal of Guardiola if not better and so on this manager has not won anything yet obviously in this country but am I being bitter by reading these and shaking my head or are we going over the top here of a side you know, that still hasn't done anything yet? I'll start with you, Asa. Um, ha. <laughs> Are we bitter? Uh, no, definitely not. I don't feel bitter. I feel um, amused this week at, at that, that 
Chris Baskin piece, the headline. I couldn't even enough. open it, to be honest. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't read it because I don't really need to read it. The, yeah. the idea that, you know, when your when your whole when your whole article is based on look, Klopp's as good as Guardiola, you're a bit insecure about your own position. And I think that that's kind of how I viewed the noise this week. There is a sense, I get the sense that the Liverpool media wants Klopp to be held in the same regard as Guardiola, which is fine. Yeah. yeah? Um, but for me, for him to do that, he'll have to win the Champions League this season. If he doesn't win it, he won't get that accolade. And Chris Bascom's piece for that reason alone, it's incredibly premature. I think that with Salah, he's had an absolutely phenomenal season from a goal-scoring point of view. You, yeah. you can't argue with that. Um, and he seems like a really nice guy and a really top player and all the best to him and all of those things. But at the same time, you can't have a conversation about whether Salah's in the same league as Messi. I've seen those conversations be had in a serious way this week. And I think Klopp, even in his press conference, talked about the fact that, you know, only Messi can do the things that Salah's doing at the moment. And I'm just like, mate, get the fuck out of it. <laughs> like, you know, let's... Like, that's the thing with Liverpool is that they get overexcited, yeah? And excuse my language, but they... They come too quickly and then, you know, it's just, it's, uh, yeah. They've not, they've not won the Champions League yet. Klopp's not won anything at Liverpool. I think that what they should be doing right now is going, all of this will come to naught if we screw up in Rome or if we get to the final and don't beat whoever we see in the final. I don't think they should be celebrating right now. And I think that considering in 2013 and 14 what happened to them, you'd think, that they would have, they'd have learned to be a bit, you know, circumspect until the trophy is actually in your hands. But no, there, you know, there's a certain self-importance and a certain pomposity about everything that surrounds Liverpool, and they just can't help themselves. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, Sam, your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, obviously they've got a very good side. I think a lot of it comes back into kind of what I mentioned about United in that semi-final against Spurs. You just got the feeling they were going to win. They just seemed like they looked more at home in those environments. And the thing about Liverpool, having seen Liverpool be down and out so many times, whenever they've got a big game, it's obviously not all of them, but whenever they've had a big game, particularly against United, you just know they're going to raise it, even when you know they were finishing in like seventh and eighth. Yeah. And it's kind of, they've still got that mentality, obviously. So when it comes to cup games, we saw what they did against City. We saw what they've done against Roma. And it's kind of like a, a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, really, because they weren't overly impressive in the group stage. Obviously, they've scored a lot of goals. But in terms of like the flaws against Sevilla, and it's like, well, if you let yourself lose a three-goal lead, then you're not going to win it, are you? But it seems it seems to have got to the stage where everyone around that club kind of believes it's going to happen and you know that can that can go a long way and when you couple that with a manager who has got you know a, a tactical system which which tends to work in cup competitions as well really but then at the same time it's the kind of observation that Fernandinho and De Rossi had this week which again I tweeted about because people were saying De Rossi and you know the headlines were shit really just basic um kind of I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's kind of sinister clickbait or just kind of a lack of understanding from the the journalists who write it. But De Rossi and Fernandinho have both said Liverpool used long balls, and to me, yeah. it just looks like genuine analysis. You know, with De Rossi, I think he was actually asked, "Can you analyse that game tactically, perhaps?" Because he said, "Well, you know, I've not seen it back. We've only just come off the pitch, so it's hard to analyse tactically." But And then he ran through a list of factors in the game. And one of them was Liverpool using long balls. And Fernandinho said it before the second leg as well. And there's been loads of headlines going, oh, they're accusing Liverpool of being a long ball team. They're not. What Liverpool have had in these last two games is they've come up against a team who have, to an extent, played into their hands slightly. I don't think City... Yeah. Well, the thing is, City started well enough for 10, 12 minutes, kept the ball, and then made a mistake um, Roma started well for about 20 minutes and then just kind of dropped that level a bit. And then Liverpool just took the direct route. And I'm not having a go either when I say that. 
if you've got fast players who can get in behind and the team's playing a high line, do it. Put the ball over the top. It's, uh, it's what City did at Spurs after playing Liverpool when Jesus got in behind and company put the ball over for him. It's fine. If you can bypass the team and get your fast players who can score in on goal, then do it. And I think Liverpool have been well-matched against their opponents in the last couple of games. Um, they've improved in the league as well. So I think we're probably heading into the next season and looking at, in terms of the predictions, we may well be looking at Liverpool being City's closest challengers because they seem to have cut out that inconsistency where they go to Swansea and and don't and don't win. You know, they somehow just get frustrated by a parked bus kind of thing. Um, but I suppose if if Madrid kind of play a bit more savvily than than um, City and Roma have basically, and kind of don't give them that space to play into behind, then you know, then we'll see the real benefits of or the real merits of Klopp's coaching because I. I would say he's very good at coaching at one particular style, which probably lends itself to cups, but it probably won't win the Premier League. Mm. So there, there is kind of there is a big step for them to take. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Champions League, and then we would have to kind of have conversations about Klopp being one of the best coaches around. But I think that's always been the case, and it, it was it he was is a, one of the best coaches around. Exactly, I think. exactly, and it was a big coup when Liverpool got him in the first place. And it's totally. it's one of those things where every time Liverpool sacked a manager over the last fifteen years, it's always been hilarious for about an hour or five minutes, and then you think, Christ, who are they going to get next? And then when <laughs> when they get Roy Hodgson, it was like, oh, this is still great. And then they get Doug Leeson, it's like, oh, this is still great. This is hilarious. <laughs> and then Rogers, it was like, yeah, I'm not really convinced about Rogers. But then when they got Klopp, it was like, oh no, here we go. Now we might have a problem. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, he's he's always been renowned as one of the best coaches around. And if he wins that, then he'll probably he'll probably go into the top echelons of. He probably will be mentioned in the same breath as Guardiola if he wins it. Um, and then I, I don't know. I guess we just want to see that on a more consistent basis because as much as Guardiola has so many critics, he just keeps winning league titles and winning cups. And you know how many trophies is it now with these two? Is it twenty three in eight years or something like that? Mm. So. Yeah, fair enough. The resources comes into it too, but yeah, I think Klopp is proving that he is very good. And then what happens next in the this season and next, we'll we'll really see then because Liverpool will be in a position to really challenge next year. That'd be his fourth season, third full one. So yeah, yeah, and, and being bitter, you can only play the hand you dealt. Uh, but I do feel Roma and, and City to a lesser extent played into the hands. Before that was Porto, Maribor, Spartak, Moscow, and Seville, I think. So <laughs> you uh, really are bitter, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, Look, I, think, I won't I, name the FA Cup run uh, who we got on our way to FA Cup glory, <laughs> but I don't think it was the hardest run in the world, to be honest. Um, so you know, it works both ways, doesn't it? And we've had some easy runs in the FA Cup and still messed it up. So <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think with I think the thing the thing that I found funny this week is that. At, Klopp's a world-class manager. He won the Bundesliga back-to-back. He beat Bayern Munich to the Bundesliga back-to-back. He's, you know, he took Dortmund to the Champions League final. He's just, there's no question. There's just no question about the how good a manager he is. And I think that, as I said, I used the word insecurity when I talked about Chris Bascom's piece because that's how it feels to me. Because I don't think that Sam feels the need to write a piece after City win the title saying, Pep Guardiola is a better coach than Jurgen Klopp. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just like, it's such a subjective thing. You just go, well, he's done really well. Klopp's done really well, particularly in the Champions League this season. But overall, this season, he's done really, really well. Yeah. That's as, great. As you say, by naming another manager in exactly is basically, you. yeah, exactly what you say. There's no need to say that. No need to compare. It's just he feels he has to make the point that Oh, but our manager's just as good. Yeah. It's hilarious, yeah. mate. Like I said, I found stop, it really funny. Stop, stop bigging him up. Ours is better. <laughs> uh, one final question. And it it works in an intense style. Intense and still annoys me slightly. Yeah, Liverpool burn, can burn out late in matches and I feel we, a missed opportunity for City there that we didn't, that we let them get those lead, that lead in the first leg because they couldn't sustain it. Asad, do you think they can do this across a, a Premier League season and win the title? Or yeah. are they just 
is the style too intense? I know it, it fell apart at Dortmund because he got a crippling injury list in his final season, I think. But he sold I'm not sure players. that injury list was pure bad luck. It was the intense style that finally caught up with that club. I know that Dutch, whoever that Dutch uh, fitness the coach Dutch is. Yeah, the Dutch egg who slags uh, managers off. I think, he, I think he went to town on Klopp and says it can't be sustained. Uh, can you see him managing consistency in the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, he has done this season. I, I think that, you know, um, what what Sam says about the kind of the, the mental flaws, the ability to beat City and then go and lose to the bottom side in the league. Um, I, I think that that's a They've small... eradicated that now, haven't they? Well, it looks like it anyway. They haven't lost in ages. Yeah, but they yeah. drew with West Brom a week ago, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. They, they had a two-goal lead that they threw away. I mean, that, that fragility... Oh, so they con- against United. I know it's a different thing, but... Yeah. Uh, I, they conceded two yeah, against uh, uh, against Roma. I, there, there is definitely a fragility there that he needs to sort out. But I don't buy that the intensity of the way they play stops them from winning the league because we play yeah. with a similar intensity. Um so I don't think that's that's going to be... An, I don't think intensity will be the issue. I think that he's certainly capable of managing a side to challenge Guardiola. I personally don't think that with the squad that we've got, anybody finishes above us whilst Guardiola is our manager. But that's a different, almost a different thing. I think if you're asking me whether Jurgen Klopp's good enough to manage a side to the Premier League or to manage Liverpool to the Premier League title, I think, yeah, he probably is. Okay. Uh, very quickly, just want to look at one other team. Obviously, Arsene Wenger's gone this week, uh, at the end of the season anyway. Uh, last night, <laughs> just typical Arsenal. I mean, you've got to laugh, really. Uh, how they how they didn't win that game against 10 men is ridiculous. But I, I was listening to another podcast. Uh, I apologise for doing that. Sacked. Yeah, not, not a City one. And uh, someone went through Arsenal's squad. Now, there's rumours that whoever the new manager is, they'll only get £50 million war chest in the summer. And this guy went through the squad, and you just realise how far behind there is. There's not a single player I'd really want in the City team. And there's, and you look at the... I mean, Wilshire's probably going. Ramsey won't sign a new contract. The defence, the less said, the better. You've got, like, Xhaka in you know, midfield, who's not much better... The front two are a bit better and Ozil in spurts is okay, but there's so much just seven out of ten players there. Uh, Sam, do you... I've got a theory that Arsenal could be in big, big trouble now. They've just fallen behind. Do you think they're doomed or with a new manager? Are we we just seeing very good players underperforming because it's the malaise under Wenger? Or is that squad as bad as I'm making it out to be? A bit of both. I mean, they definitely have. They definitely haven't. Well, Wenger hasn't got the best out of them for a while now. Um, you say, are they doomed? How many points are they off City now? 30, they're thirty-three points behind City already this season. So, and yet, bizarrely, the home record is the second best. It's only slightly worse than City's, but I don't think they've gotten away point this this year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They they have got a a squad that if certainly when you when you compare it to what's at the top of the table, it's. Yeah, you know, comparatively, it's terrible. Overall, you know, there's enough good players in there, but comparatively to what you need to win the title, it's it's nowhere near. Um, in terms of what they're going to do over the summer, a lot depends on the manager because you can get in a manager who can get the best out of, could probably maybe get the best out of these group of players. You know, if you look at the Liverpool team, the front three are obviously incredible, um, but it's one of those where Klopp's also improved them as well, and these and they're thriving in the system. But then, if you if you were to run through the actual eleven, there's not an awful lot there, pound for pound, that that you'd go. These could get in the best teams in Europe, but together yeah. they work. So it, a lot depends on who they get as a manager. They need somebody who's gonna um, make them a cohesive unit, like Sean Dyche. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, not Dyche. But, you know, somebody's somebody's going to get the best out of them, basically. And they, they do, but they do need. Well, they need the, to strengthen in the positions we've been talking about for years. I mean, when it's it's boring to talk about the the areas Arsenal need to strengthen. It's still the same. They basically need everything new apart from the forwards. Yeah, but apparently they've only got fifty million net spend to do it. So good luck, lads. Van Hal's the man. <laughs> uh, hey, Sam, what do you think? Are they are they now the sixth best team? 
Um, oh, we're getting ahead of myself. I think you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. Look, I, I think that I think there's a lot of uncertainty at Arsenal and Chelsea right now, um, and I think that they will both have new managers this summer, and then it'll be you know we'll have to see who those managers are and what they do. I think Arsene Wenger has underachieved with the players. He's bought badly, but even having said that, with the players that he's got there, he's underachieved for a lot of years now. Um, Arsenal, at times, are disorganised garbage, which is just not good enough. Um, so, so yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be writing them off as they're doomed or, or they're, they're certainly in for a period of transition. I personally think they'll do a better job than United did, for example. I think that... You know, considering the amount of money that United have thrown into the post-Ferguson era and and how many managers they've had, um, I don't think that Arsenal will. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm you know giving too much credit to the board at Arsenal, but I don't think they'll fuck up in that way. Yeah. My language has been terrible this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> I know what what an example you're setting to the kids, but never mind. Uh, okay, should we should we look ahead? Yes. Yeah. West Ham, Sunday, I think it's quarter past two, bizarrely. Uh, Asan, I'll stick with you. The age-old question, is Pep just going to keep playing strong sides now? Or will he just uh, will he swap the two? Will he keep moving two players around, basically, but alternate with each game? I think it'll be a little bit like that. I don't think that you'll see more than a couple of changes, um, but you will see a couple of changes. So, you know, I think Danilo, for example, is not played loads you could kind of understand why he got a game um I think Mendy slowly coming back to fitness Mendy will get games I think for yeah. us as supporters the two that we're looking at are, are Foden and Diaz and going are those boys going to get a game for me uh I don't think Diaz is going to get a game mm-hmm. um he'll get a Foden, sub I think though yeah Foden though I think he might get a start Although it's it's hard because, like you say, we need three wins and a draw for the 100 points. And if the squad want the 100 points, then Guardiola will pick his best players until they get the 100 points or until they get a three or a four nil lead in games. I can also see a situation where that's sort of the carrot that Guardiola's dangling in front of in front of his players and in terms of motivation is going to that best 11 Look, the games that we've got left, you can be two or three nil up after an hour and you can give some of these young lads a chance to get on the pitch. But first, you've got to go out there and win the points. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I think. Of course, like I said on the last pod, Lloyd bumped into Phil Foden in Stockport, obviously. Uh, and he has been promised some game time in all the remaining games. That's kind of what I had in the yeah. That's why at the back of my mind when yeah, I, that, when I answered that question. Obviously, that could be twenty minutes as a substitute, or it could be a start. Uh, I'll stick with you because I've got a, got a feeling that I've asked Sam this already. I might might be wrong. Does does Pep have a duty to other sides near the bottom to play strong sides and play with the intensity? Also, we're playing quite a few sides hovering above that relegation zone or in it the last game, uh, or is it just? tough luck if you get a team cruising over the line at the end of the season mm. I mean you I can mean, be fined can't you for weak squads but god knows yeah, but how you work that out he's never going to rotate 11 players is he yeah. so really what we're talking about is is two three or four players max and then if you look at the players who are coming in um, with respect I think that Phil Fodden can play already for a lot of Premier League teams and start for them so if Fodden comes in that's you know, nobody can complain that ooh, Guardiola's. You know, he's he's not taking the yeah. the the opposition seriously, or he's taking the piss. I just, yeah, I think that philosophically speaking, yes, you have a duty to play strong sides. Practically speaking, whatever the rotation is in the coming games, the, our sides will be strong enough to beat yeah. whoever we play. Yeah, better than the opposition. Yeah, uh, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. If, would you play him in remaining games as manager? Does he deserve it? Which, uh, which sounds like a load. That's a very loaded question. Obviously, one for me, one of our greatest, most important players ever. Uh, but obviously, Pep's probably not very happy. I mean, I don't know. You know, reading between the lines, he's obviously not happy with his application this season in training. Uh, does his 
does what he's done in the past, you know, has he earned a proper send-off game time now as surely he comes to the end of his career at City? Or is Pep just the sort of person who says, no, you've not been doing any training, you're not playing? Mm, tricky. Um, <laughs> nice, easy one for you. I wonder if he'll, I wonder if he'll start against Brighton because I think after the game there's going to be yeah, some kind of Zabaleta kind of send off like last year. So maybe, maybe the yeah, maybe the the Brighton game. I, I don't know. I, like, like with Guardiola saying we you know we need to plan for next season and next season started against Swansea kind of thing. Then for that reason, you know, Torre is not going to be there, is he? So I I, I think. It's going to be like he got against Swansea. Come on, for the last what, what was it against Swansea? Ten, fifteen minutes, and yeah. he looked good. Obviously, Swansea just proper, just beaten into submission by then, and that may be why he looked good. But fine, um, yeah, it, I don't know. He'll probably get the similar similar amount of game time to to Foden, maybe. Yeah, uh, but whether he deserves to or not, um, I, I don't know what's gone on behind the scenes there. Um, Yaya's camp are kind of insisting that he has no idea. Um, what what he's done to to be out in the cold and Guardiola says publicly um, that he does know exactly what he needs to do and what he needs to change. Obviously, that's too late now. Um, back at the start of the season, I think we talked on this pod about you know the suggestion from the City side, the Guardiola side, that he was you know he just wasn't the same player. He wasn't up to it. Um, to be honest, I think we've seen in a lot of games he's he can't do what Fernandinho does. Um, so in terms of deserve. In the harshest terms, no. In terms of would it be nice? Yes, absolutely. And there's not a lot riding on it, is there? So yeah, it would be good. But you know, at the same time, if you want 100 points and you want 110 goals and you break the record for 30 wins in a season, etc., then it would make sense just to keep playing with Fernandinho and bring Torrey on for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I think the Brighton game's the key. It's not going to start against West Ham, uh, but the Brighton game, especially if Brighton is safe by then. Uh, that's the perfect game for him to play in and get that send off and get substituted with a few minutes to go or twenty minutes to go. Get the you know get the ovation. Yeah, uh, and, and just play it like possibly that. score as well. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll ask Guardiola about the Edison penalty thing today, but I can't see that happening. But you'd imagine if they get a penalty while Tori's on the pitch, then then he'll take it. Well, bright in a safe, they'll just wave him through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That'll go down well. Yeah, well, well, in fact. Since David Moyes agreed to that kicking the ball out on the 26th minute for John Terry when he was Sunderland manager, maybe that could happen on Sunday. Yeah. Just let Torrey yeah, go in for 8-0 for at the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> the response to that, I don't think you'd want to do that again, to be honest. Oh, my God. Uh, A-San, best, uh, best. Let's look at West Ham. Uh, your thoughts on David Moyes, is, it, is this just another dreary panic appointment by a team desperate to stay up who have hired English manager to get a job done? Yes. Some, next some question. <laughs> next yes. Next yeah. question. So, would you, I mean, if you were in charge of West Ham, and let's face it, you couldn't do a worse job. Uh, would you get rid of him in the summer? And st- yes. Let's next say they stay, Let's say they stay up. Yes. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Moyes. Moyes is a rubbish manager, um, and West Ham are a joke of a club with the owners that they've got, and uh, they're just yeah, they're just. They're just a mess. They're just like, you know, the, the the Premier League is a weird league because there's so much money in it that you can be awful, awful owners and just get away with it and just sit there. And it's like, I don't know, it, they're, yeah, it's just, yeah. They're, a, they're a proper non-entity right now. All right. Well, I'll move on because as it's West Ham, just be thinking this week, uh, uh, Joe Hart had a, uh, yeah, the last 10 minutes against Arsenal last week were not his greatest moments. Uh, do you feel sympathy over his decline? And uh, does he take much of the blame for his attitude for how this has all panned out? I have um, some thoughts on myself, but obviously I'll ask both of you first. Uh, I, I just think that he's he's been on the decline. Why he's been on the decline, I don't know. Um, Rumours that he's got... Attitude, he's got problems with his attitude. That's why Guardiola didn't want him around. If that's the case, you can maybe understand why he's been on the decline as well, because if he's not got the right attitude, then he probably doesn't apply himself in the right way and probably doesn't, yeah, view his job in the the right way. Um, but, you know, he was a big part of, of, 
of uh, a big moment in in city's history so it's one of those you know it's a bit like yaya in the sense that you know these guys they for me they'll be legends because you know they won the premier league title um i'd never seen that before in my lifetime and yeah that that makes them heroes and legends but at the same time you know modern football is modern football and modern footballers are they are what they are agents and all attitudes and all and you know there's there's two joe art stories that if they're true i just think he's brought his demise upon himself and those two are the one about i believe that when he found out that he wasn't uh, on the bench for the first uh, for Guardiola's first game in charge in the Premier League, he smashed up a screen at the Etihad, a TV screen. Um, and the second one is in the the first preseason game that he got minutes in. He'd apparently been told they'd all been told just don't boot the ball long, whatever yeah. you do. And the first thing he does when the ball gets kicked back to him is he boots it long and into touch. And, you know, if those two stories are true, that's, you know, it is what it is then. Yeah, signed his own death warrant. Anyway. Yeah, more or less. Uh, obviously, you can't play on Sunday. Uh, what's, Sam, do you agree with that? Do you feel sympathy? I, sh- I should just um, put myself... I always... It's, it's, go on, go on. No, I was just going to say, I've always... Always been a huge defender of Joey. United fans used to call him arrogant. I thought, well, he's a goalkeeper. You, you know, it's a very uh, particular precision. You don't, and I never saw that arrogance really. Always, always faced up to the cameras. Always admitting mistakes, uh, and he was always honest. And if you're a goalkeeper, you can't be a shrinking violet. You have to have some, ex- you know, you've got to be a bit different. Uh, and I never saw that. But as Asan said, you know, and I really wished him the best. I think it was the right decision to get rid of him. He can't work in his side, but I just I do feel some sympathy for him. But it does sound the stories I've heard are the same as Ace, and that he's just not helped himself whatsoever. Uh, and I, I don't know. God knows what Southgate's thinking right now, but he's got a big decision to make in the summer. Uh, yeah, well, my answer would be I, I, I feel a bit of sympathy for him. None, none whatsoever in terms of him leaving City. Um, there was, a, I think, there was an opportunity there to stay and make it work, or at least, you know, have a have a bit of be a, just be humble about it and try and change and improve and that. And he didn't want to do it, so no sympathy in that respect. Since then, kind of, it was late in the day, so fair play. He went and tried Torino, um, didn't work brilliantly, but even if it had, he wouldn't have been able to stay anyway. It'd have been too expensive, and then. He's, at the same time, he's kind of found himself in that situation where the kind of clubs where he maybe thought he could have gone to, even if he'd have had a great season at Torino, even then, none of them needed or wanted a new goalkeeper anyway. So he's found a lot of doors closed to him and he's ended up at West Ham. And as as Asan says, and I've, I said before, you know, they're just, it's just kind of a ragtag bunch of, of players you've heard of from football manager yeah. or... They once <laughs> once played for United or used to play for Liverpool and they might still have something in them or a scout's recommended this lad who's, who's had a few good games for Lille or something like that. They're just thrown together and he's ended up there. So I do feel a little bit of sympathy for him for what's happened since he left City. Um, but I, I, think, I think it was largely his own fault that he did leave City in the first place. So it's a hard one to categorise, really. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, right, we'll finish with... I should just add, by the way, you know, you just listed ragtag players. Uh, I can't remember which. If you can see it on Twitter, do try and find it. Or online, sorry. Uh, someone listed Sunderland's players, but since their owner mm. took over in 2009. Oh, God, yeah. Just look at the list of players. Even it, even the ones in that Decanio <laughs> It would break your heart even as a... Yeah, even a non-Sunderland fan, it's like... <laughs> you're close to tears. At the, like, the desperate... Oh, it's just... There's about one in ten a success, and it is a terrible. It's just a terrible list. You know, shows a decline of a football club. Uh, so do try and find that list. It's uh, very depressing indeed, in a way. And uh, Daniel Story did a great um, yeah piece on Football Three Six Five about the demise of Sunderland. And I just think if you're a City fan and you remember what we've been through, reading that is very, very, very painful. Reading. I, I, it's funny how I relate more to clubs like that than I do to yeah. to the Uniteds or the Real Madrids of this world, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. you read something like that and you just feel like, my God, I know that. I know exactly how that feels. I oh. know, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it has been us, but that could be us. I mean, they've got debts that will don't think they're going to bounce back like City did, basically, but that could have been us. The roles could have been reversed. They could yep. have been taken over. Uh, I think Jonathan Wilson's a Sunderland fan. I think he's done a good piece somewhere as well, involving a parrot in a pub, which will make sense if you actually read it. So uh, we'll finish off with a score prediction then for Sunday. Uh, start with you, Asa. Um Away at West Ham... Are they safe from relegation? They are, aren't they? No. No? No. Oh. Well, they're, okay. six, they're six points clear. No, yeah, they're, they're not on the edge of... Uh, basically, four games left are six clear of Southampton, so they probably only need one win out of the last four games. And do you, know what, do you know what they've got left after City? In fact, you know what? Forget it. City 4-0. Easy. <laughs> right. It might, it might be another Swansea where, the, the, you know, they... Their focus turns to the other three games. Totally. I think as soon as City's, if City score first and they score in the first half, I think at that point, West Ham throw their hands up uh, a little bit like Swansea did. And then it's just a case of how many will City score. I know they've got United at home as well and they've got Leicester away. So I don't know what the other game is. Uh, oh, Everton at home on the last day. So not the easiest. Oh, interesting. Well, anyway, I mean, of all those games, City is the one still that they'll look at and go, right, well, let's not worry about that one. Yeah. I think I mean, they'd be ecstatic with a draw because it would take them yeah, closer to that uh, total. Uh, famous last words, but it's never going to happen. Okay. We've got it. We're recording this. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, I just tempted fate in a big, bad way, but okay. Uh, Sam, your score prediction? 5-0. Uh, Wow! God, <laughs> they're a shambles, aren't they? They were even when City were just finding their feet. <laughs> no, even when City were just finding their feet last year in like January and February, they battered them then. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's oh, not yeah. forget we needed an eighty-third minute winner in the home game this season. So. I don't care. We we're going through our difficult stage then. Uh, I'm not bothered. I'm we'll still winning. Slap. Them. Yeah, I say I've been writing about that this week. It's like. We beat Feyenoord, West Ham, Southampton and Huddersfield all with late goals all in two weeks. Uh, most of them by Raheem Sterling. but uh, And yeah, that just shows the consistency to win the league. That we, were, we won four games where we were struggling uh, and that will be key in the future as well. Right, well, I think we've covered everything. So thank you very much, Sam, for coming on. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Asa. Have a good weekend. Uh, Hey, Sam, thank you, of course. Pleasure, mate. Thank yeah. you. And you too have a great weekend. Cheers. Hope your weather's better than it is in Manchester, which it can't be much worse, to be honest. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with review of the West Ham uh, game. Lots more coming up, lots of different types of shows. So do look out for that. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>